Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Way Changer Ministries. This is Real Word Bible Studies. I'm Cedric, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by Hannah, Paul, and Brad. So welcome to the team. Uh, really looking forward to our uh, study time together today. And so the topic for our discussion today is preparing for change. Preparing for change. So, you know, what comes to mind when you hear that? Preparing for change. Anything in particular uh, pop out for you? Change. I think the biggest, one of the biggest changes I've had in the last five years or something, I guess, was, I mean, there's been heaps, but to try and narrow it down, um, moving from New South Wales to Victoria. Mm. You know, that's, it's a big change, you know, especially amongst all the other things you're doing, but you've got to prepare. You can't just go like, oh, yeah, you know, she'll be right, and I'll just, I'll just drive down and, you know, I won't have to worry about any of my stuff or won't have to worry about the pets or my wife or anything. It's no, no, okay, if, if I'm going to be making a big change in where I live in my life or whatever, obviously I've got to actually start going a few, at least a couple of weeks or months later. All right, I've got to go and buy some boxes. I've got to organise the removal company. Um, I've got to make sure I keep little lists of where everything is so that when I get to the other end, I don't go, hmm, where on earth is my razor kind of thing. Mm. So you've got to actually start, you know, preparing in advance and I suppose like doing a bit of planning in a sense. Mm. I think nice. for me, for the biggest thing that, that popped up the first thing that popped up in my mind was um you can't always prepare for change i don't know if that makes sense yeah. uh, you can prepare as much as you can but when that change comes there's always that one thing that i forgot or there's always that you know one thing that i didn't cover or things like that um we always try to feel like we're in control of everything and so when it comes to when i think when when the situation comes up and we're not in control, um, suddenly everything starts falling apart. So uh, you can't always prepare for change. That's that's kind of my, my the first thought that came up. Yeah. Nice. First thing that came up for me, I think, is like everyone's different. Me as a person, I'm not a huge fan of change. Um, but when I think about my, you know, my life and all the big decisions I've made, like the real sort of, life-changing decisions um with every like moment of change as much of a challenge as it is there's always some kind of growth that happens so like as humans you know maybe we don't really like change but it's kind of a necessary part of life if we want to become better people awesome well thank you for for sharing and i guess that leads us to our opening passage um you know there's so many different seasons uh changes in life so we're going to focus on parenting. So let's go to our first passage, First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 11, and then verses 20 to 28. I think Paul will be uh, reading that for us. But the question, the question in discussion is, what lessons can we learn from Hannah about preparation for parenting? And again, our passage here. Oh, so the Hannah in the Bible, not Hannah. Wait, yes. I have like no parenting experience. <laughs> Little help there. 
Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, Hannah is Hannah in the Bible. Hannah in the Bible. <laughs> so, First Samuel chapter one, verse eight to eleven. Uh, I'll read it for us, and I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, "Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons?" So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a child, a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Uh, verse 20. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have helped him, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and his all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have, have, word, have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. I mean, there was a lot going on in there. <laughs> but I guess, you know, back to our, our question, you know, um, what lessons can we learn from Hannah uh, in terms mm. of preparation uh, for parenting? It's a big change. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on that, uh, Paul? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm actually a parent of an 18-month-old son, uh, and so nothing can prepare you for parenting. I'll I'll say that right off the bat. Uh, but there have been challenges, and we've learned how to how to deal with things as we've gone along. Uh, as we were saying before, you can prepare as much as you can, but nothing will prepare you for having a child. And it's the biggest it's the biggest blessing you could ever ask for. Uh, we tried for a year. Uh, we prayed about it. We asked God for it. And um, and yeah, God, God, um, God blessed us with a, with a beautiful baby boy. And so there's there's five things that I that I kind of like that popped up as I was um, as I was preparing to to share on 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 this on this story of of Hannah. And the, the first lesson that came up was for us to take our burdens first and foremost to God. A lot of the times we like to go to our family or our friends, and uh, we ask them for their opinion, or we ask our our closest uh, family member for their opinion, uh, and usually it doesn't. It 
at first it may seem like uh, we've solved the problem, um, but it never really does solve the problem. Not like when you take your, your, your burdens or when you cast them onto Christ. So there's a verse in Psalms 55, 22. It says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Uh, so the first point that I, I got from Hannah's story was she knew where she was going. She knew she had a plan, even though they had tried for many years. She knew that the Lord was going to provide, and it was her faith. So she kept on bringing that, bringing that to God. Um, the second, uh, actually, part of that first one was the, the, her cries actually came from a deep place. So from, for many of us, a lot of the time we'll probably pray for our food, pray before we sleep, uh, pray when before exams or pray when we're trying to get some, uh, some, uh, some things done or there's something not going right in our lives. Uh, but she was very specific with her prayer. She said, Lord, I want a male child. If you can bless me, I will keep my vow and I will commit him to you. So that's one of the, one of the big, uh, big things that, that I got from that as well. The second one was uh, that God gives peace. And in, in the middle of that chapter, um, when, we, uh, when we see Eli asking, um, asking Hannah, well, we know the story. So Eli comes up to her and she says, are you drunk? You know? And uh, Hannah says, no, I'm just speaking to God, you know, and I'm pouring my heart out to God. Uh, I'd like to just read a verse that wasn't included in our reading. It says in verse 17, and Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. So she had peace. For many of us, especially um, coming into, into parenting, um, I'm sorry, do you guys have any, do you guys have kids? Or am I on the boat all by myself here? <laughs> nah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, so at least I can uh, give you guys some hints. Um, but yeah, so um, a lot of things happen when you have kids. Like your emotions are going up and down and you're thinking, like when when uh, Junior was first born, we're like sitting there next to his bed, so we go out of the room. As soon as we hear a little creak, we run in there and we're, we're worried that you know, something's going to happen if he's lying on his back or on his side. Or, oh, man. So we're waking up every two hours trying to feed him. And a lot of the time, we were like, our, we're not at peace because we're not sure what's going on. But Hannah, one of the main lessons was that she was at peace. As soon as she put a petition before God, Eli said, go in peace. And then the end of verse 18 says her face was no longer sad. So she knew that God was going to hear her, her petition. Um, I'll jump to, uh, so the third one is God gives grace. Um, there's a couple of quotes that I found on, online. Uh, it says, um, God knows when to send you exactly what you need. Uh, the second one is, all of God's grace in one tiny face. So it's like, when, you, when you're a parent, you're, you, you understand. For all the parents that are listening online, um, you definitely understand what, I'm, what, uh, what these quotes are saying. In God's garden of grace, even a broken tree can bear fruit. So God gave grace to this woman. Who knows what her past was? Um, but for for us, especially, um, yeah, we as if when we leave our, our burdens with the Lord, like uh, His grace becomes evident, right? Like so, um, so His grace can take us through the darkest circumstances. 
Um, the fourth one is God gives joy. Um, so in Psalms uh, 17, 22, I'll just read this verse quickly for us. I know we're running out of, out of time. I must be. Psalms chapter 17 and verse 22. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, yes. I think I've got it here. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Hmm. Our topic is um, preparing for change. And what lessons can we learn from, um, from Hannah's story? A joyful heart. You know, when my, my son's 18 months old, if I've got a, a face, like if I'm tired from school and I come home, and I've got a drowsy, like a like a sad face on my, uh, of uh, coming through the door. He's like looking at me, like wondering what's going on. And so as soon as I smile, you see a massive smile come on his, come come on his, his face. So it's like, it's 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 so weird the 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 relationship of, of seeing that, the joy, like your joy, can be a medicine, you know, to 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 to, to your son as well. So that's it's. That, that verse is so true because it says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And the final thing is it's important to keep our, vow, our vows. It's important to keep promises. As a parent, a lot of parents say, do what I say, not what I do. And that's a, that's a big thing because I can say something and I can make promises and I can do this and I, I do that. But our, our, our children are always looking at us and um, things would They'd say things and be like, "Oh, I wonder how where you picked that up from." You know, things like that. But it's really important for us to, if we're going to make a vow, in the case of Hannah, it's important for us to stick to it. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's it's the importance of integrity, especially as parents. Uh, we sometimes uh, teach our, our child things, and we don't follow through ourselves. But that's pretty much the a few lessons that I learned from from Hannah's story. You know, in the same way, your kids watching you, yeah. everybody watching us as Christians, when we say, you know, we profess to follow Jesus, we profess to love each other. Like that mm. was like that description, that indicator of how people would know that we were Jesus's followers, that even just us within our own community groups, mm. as we would love each other. Mm. Yeah. All right, it's a challenge. Challenge. Yeah. I mean, you know, you spoke about um, some challenges with parenting. Um, But a question I have is, you know, how can we, why is it so important for us to learn from the failures of others? So that leads us to our our next couple of verses. Uh, So let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 11 to 13, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 to 26, uh, if Hannah could uh, read that for us. Yes, sure thing. Um, I'm reading from the New King James Version also. Um, Okay, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, 
but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I love this passage. Like there's just so much, so much to be taken out of it. And I think um, I'll start with maybe what, you know, what we first um, focus in on perhaps, and that is the whole idea that, you know, God will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. Um, and I know that the passage, my version here says that he'll make a way of escape. I think when you look at the, the text, a, a perhaps a more accurate um, interpretation of that is more along the lines of like God will provide a way through. So it's not so much an escape, but he will provide you with the strength to make it through um, whatever it is you're facing. And like Paul said earlier, you know, sometimes there's there are changes in life that we come across that we cannot prepare for um, or we've had no time to prepare for. Um, but it's just having this faith that God, no matter what you're going through, like he knows you have the strength to get through it. Mm. Um, he has provided you with access to the strength to get through and that access um, is through him, through Jesus. Um, and that's just like, it's such a powerful, powerful message. Mm-hmm. Um, but working back, like verse 11, so it says, um, talks about how these things happen to them as examples. Um, when you read earlier on in this passage, um, at the beginning of chapter 10, um, you see how he's talking about uh, the Israelites in the wilderness um, back with Moses when they were, they were led out of Egypt. Um, and what he's been essentially saying is that what happened to them um, is to be an example for us. And when you read through those stories, like some pretty crazy things happen. Um, and the fact that that verse is followed with this, and I find that this is such a reality check verse, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Mm-hmm. It's it's like this warning. It's not for the, not a warning for people who are, you know, concerned about falling. It's actually a warning for those of us who believe that we are above falling. And when you look back at the example of, um, you know, the Israelites in the wilderness, there are so many times when they thought they were doing the right thing when in fact they weren't. Mm. And a lot of the, the generations who came out of Egypt didn't actually make it to the promised land um, in the end. And so it's like this, you've got like two sides of an extreme in this little tiny passage here that's just saying like, you know, you have the strength to get through whatever God comes your way, but don't, um, I guess like remember where you place your faith, you know, place your faith in God. Um, and faith in yourself might not always get you through, but faith in mm. God always will. Thought that would be really cool. Um, so our second passage, well, this question anyway, First um, Corinthians fifteen twenty to twenty six. Um, but now Christ is risen from the dead; he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. When comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. I mean, in terms of like what we can learn I feel like this sort of brings it to like a big picture focus um, mm. as in Adam all died, but all, all are saved in Christ. You know, like everything that we do, and this kind of goes back to um, 
chapters nine and ten of First Corinthians as well. But it's like it's this idea that everything you do affects the people around us. I mean, we have the ultimate picture of that in the fact that you know Adam's um, decisions affected the entirety of humanity. Um, but even we, just as as Christians, you know, living in community, what what we do, the way we are, affects the people around us. Um, but likewise, in the same way, you know, all all are redeemed through Christ, all all offered grace and all offered forgiveness um, through Him. Yeah, I was thinking. So you know, the start of this passage talks about how Christ um, is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits, which is kind of like I don't know. Does anyone know what what that means? <laughs> first fruits <laughs> sounds like my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> So um, in Hebrew culture, they had all the different feasts. And first fruits was when they had the first, uh, the barley harvest, I think it was. And so when they had that harvest, they'd basically have a massive celebration. Because first fruits yeah. was when they gave a bunch of that back to God. And the reason why first fruits was so exciting is that it was the sign of things to come. So the first fruits in themselves, you know, it might not have been actually that month. It was a small harvest, but it was a sign that there was a big harvest coming. Um, if you didn't have yeah. fruits, like it would mean that you'd end up with nothing. So to say that Jesus is the first fruits um, shows us that God has a big harvest coming. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's so cool. I was, I was doing a little bit of... Um, digging around in that and exactly what you said I was looking mm. back in um, Deuteronomy 26 and mm. this is still when the Israelites wandering around the wilderness um, and they are given this command to when they come into the land to give to God um, the first of everything that they possess mm. basically so the, the first fruits of all their labor and all their belongings and of the land um, and it's it's this kind it's this sort of this hope it's like this was before they even entered the land, but it's hope in the fact that, you know, there is something, like you said, there is something greater to come. There is a greater harvest mm -hmm. to come. Um, it's the, it's like the pledge or the promise of that. Um, and it represents something that is, I guess, like specific, specifically dedicated to God. And Christ is the first, as the first fruits of those risen from the dead. It's, for us, it's like we today live with this promise, this pledge that, um, Christ was resurrected, but he was only the first of that great harvest. Mm. And we have hope in the fact that many will rise again um, because he did. Mm. And so it just gives this whole big picture perspective to, you know, the lives we live, the lives we lead now um, and whatever we experience, whatever changes we go through, we always have this underlying hope that because Christ is risen, we will rise again too one day. Mm. You know, you touched on um, the point of resurrection and death. And, you know, this is one of the biggest changes or one of the biggest fears, um, you know, that we have in the world today. A big fear, big challenge, the big unknown for mm. some. But the Bible has some great passages that elaborate. Um, so how does, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? So that leads us into our final, final passage Let's see what the Bible says uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. And if Brad could uh, read that for us, that would be awesome. Yeah, let's do it. 
So First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So it says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep so that you do not grieve like the rest of humanity who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Mm-hmm. Amen. I was going to yep. say, tying in with what you said before, Hannah, this idea of, of hope. You know, when we talk about hope these days, we think about it in a bit of a wishy-washy kind of a way. It's like, oh, you know, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Or, oh, um, I hope I won't have to, to mow the lawn this week. Um, or, you know, like in terms of a kid, oh, I hope I get something good for Christmas. Mm. But when Paul's talking about hope here, he's not talking about it in that kind of, well, it might happen and it'll be good if it does, but I don't know if it will. He's, he's talking about it in a much more certain sense. He's saying, you know, we have this hope and it's a confirmed hope, you know, that, and when he's talking, when Paul's talking about death here as well, he's saying, you know, we have this hope because we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. So Jesus has already confirmed that we can trust him. And so now we can look at the rest of the things he said and we have hope because of that. So I think that's pretty cool. What were you going to say before, Sandrine? Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, so why does the Christian not need to fear death? That's a, a good one. Why Why do we fear death? I'll, I'll chuck it out there. Do you guys fear dying? I think we'll, you'd, you'd fear death if you're... If you hadn't, if you didn't have a proper relationship with Christ, you could say, mm. uh, I, I would fear death if I felt like I didn't know where I was going, if my spiritual walk wasn't certain. Uh, I would, if I would, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be living with that confirmed hope. Mm. So I wouldn't know where I'm going, you know. Once I, once I leave this life. I, yeah. Well, I feel like the big fear around death, I guess, is this whole like ceasing to exist. I mean, when you look at the world, you know, and people put so much into creating um, a legacy or something that they will be remembered for. So, you know, even after they die, it's like they kind of live on in a sense. And I think the big, like the scariest thing about death is the fact that it's the end. Um, but here we're told, you know, as Christians, we don't have to fear that because actually it doesn't end there. There is something beyond death. And so we actually have a hope that carries us through that. Yeah, it's cool. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this question the other day because I was looking at my superannuation account. And when you look at your super, they can give you options for things like, oh, you know, you can you can um, apply for death insurance or something like that. So if I fix the market tomorrow, um, it means that the superannuation fund 
would pay out some money to help my wife, um, basically so she can keep on living without, you know, having to go into massive debt or anything like that. And, you know, it, it does put things in reality. It makes, you, it makes you stop and go, what would change if I died? Mm. Um, if I wasn't here, you know, I can think about all of the stuff that I've accumulated through my life. Like I, I love um, playing a whole bunch of different instruments. I've got some keyboards and guitars and things like that. And, and what would happen to those? They would no longer belong to me, so to speak. And, you know, um, just just all these things. And I think it can be the fear that all of the things that we have worked for, suddenly we don't have them anymore. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's just everything is gone. Um, whereas I think the reality is, like, it's a very me-centric focus. And I think that can be the trap in our lives, that when, when all of our life is about us and what we want and what we've worked hard to earn and what we're going to accomplish and what people think about us, then death is a terrifying thought mm. um, because death means the end of me. Um, and yet, you know, if you look in the book of Romans, Paul is going through there and he's talking about as Christians, we are called to die to ourselves every day. Mm. What is he talking about when he says that? He's saying that we have to basically put to death the focus of our life on ourselves, mm. and we change it. So what we're asking is instead of focusing on what we want, we look at what Jesus said before he was about to be crucified. And he said to his father, Lord, you know, I'm terrified of this. Please take this away from me if you can. But all the same, I want your will to be done before my will. And because of that, Jesus didn't have to fear death mm. because he knew he had that that hope, that confirmed hope mm. that death, you know, can't hold us because God is far more powerful than that. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, death is the consequence for sin, for our separation from God. Mm. And because Jesus has done the time for that, you know, he's paid the price. We don't need to be afraid of death anymore. Amen. Look, I mean, we could spend heaps more time going into what Paul said in that verse in Thessalonians about the fact that death is just its like a sleep. Mm. Um, you know, I i don't really go to sleep at night and go, hmm, am I going to wake up tomorrow? Because I think if I did, I would be insomniac. I'd just be sitting here at the computer all day, like, <laughs> my eyes wide open. I can't fall asleep, you know. Mm. Um but even in our life, like the fact that we keep breathing, the Bible even tells us that that's something we can't even take credit for. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's God that takes all the credit, all the glory for that. So I guess what it basically comes back to is, is trust in God. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I'd say it. Um, when we are afraid, I think it shows that we don't fully trust God. Mm. There's nothing to be ashamed about with that yet because, you know, Jesus is the only one who has fully lived out that faith. Mm. We're, we're so blessed that he has. 
But when you feel afraid, just remember that God's promises don't change. You can trust in him fully. Amen. 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 So we've we've touched on different aspects of change or seasons of change in life. We've looked at parenting. We've looked at lessons from others' mistakes and also death as well. Um, and so as we bring it to a close, um, you know, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to message us here at Way Changer Ministries. And if you have been blessed, um, feel free to like, comment, or even share with your family and friends. Um, but as we close, uh, we definitely like to uh, say a word of prayer just to bless you as you journey in life. And uh, as uh, Brad concluded there, I pray, our prayer is that you will continue to trust God through your seasons of change. Um, so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Paul if he can close us in a word of prayer. All right, let's pray. A loving Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we are thankful that we're able to share your word freely today. Lord, we understand that um, a lack of trust in you, Lord, always ends in tragedy and we fear death and we're not prepared for life, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that uh, you will go before us, uh, especially in the different seasons of life that we that we have. We're thankful, Lord, for Way Changer Ministries and we pray for anyone that may be watching today, any burdens that they may be carrying, that you may lift them, Lord. We thank you for this time and we pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in. Yeah.